Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am celebrating my 200th episode with a special podcast on the 10 common concussion misconceptions. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out my Patreon page to help support my advocacy work and receive exclusive Patreon-only content from me every Monday, patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Studman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. I also invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. So in today's episode, I do not have a guest. Today, you are getting just me. And today I'm talking about 10 common concussion misconceptions. There are so many misconceptions out there surrounding concussion and traumatic brain injury. And I wanted to take some time today to clear up 10 of the most common ones that I hear about. So first and foremost, number one, a concussion is a traumatic brain injury. Um, That one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that a concussion and a brain injury are two separate things. And they're not, they're one in the same. And the actual definition, according to the CDC, a concussion is a type of traumatic brain injury or TBI caused by a bump blow or jolt to the head or by a hit to the body that causes the head and brain to move rapidly back and forth. So unfortunately, when I Googled the definition of a concussion, Dr. Google told me a a concussion involves temporary unconsciousness or confusion caused by a blow to the head. Um, So that's really unfortunate that that's what's people are finding when they search concussion, um, because that is full of misconceptions in that one definition. Um, So that brings us to number two. 
The second misconception is that people think that you have to hit your head or lose consciousness to have a concussion. And that's simply not true. Actually, less than 20% of people report a loss of consciousness. Um, so you definitely do not have to lose consciousness to sustain a concussion slash TBI. Um, as far as a hit to the head, um, you can have a hit to the body. You can have any, any sort of movement that's going to kind of cause your head to jolt. So for instance, you could fall down the stairs and land on your butt or another part of your body, but you land it with such force that your head moved, causing your brain to move around inside your skull. So you can get a concussion simply by a momentum that causes your brain to move around inside your skull because it's literally just your brain surrounded by fluid surrounded by your skull and if your brain makes impact with your skull um, that results in a concussion so number two you do not have you you do not have to hit your head or lose consciousness to have a concussion Number three, another misconception. People think that you have to have multiple symptoms. Um, I hear this from people all the time that doctors told them that they don't actually have a brain injury because they only have one, one, one symptom. Um, and they feel that you would have to have multiple symptoms in order to be classified as a brain injury. And that's simply not true. You only have to have one symptom. Most people have many, um, but some people will only have one or maybe two. Um, so some of the common symptoms are headache, nausea, vomiting, mood changes, like their, their mood is suddenly different, like they used to be even keeled, and now maybe they're angry or they cry all the time. So mood changes is a big one. Balance and coordination cha changes eye tracking problems, which 90% of people with a traumatic brain injury have eye tracking problems. And until eye tracking problems get resolved, that can lead to a lot of dizziness and balance problems. So there are a whole bunch of symptoms, but you really only need one symptom to be classified as having a concussion slash brain injury. Number four, a helmet or mouth guard do not prevent a concussion. They can prevent a more serious injury, but a helmet or mouth guard alone cannot keep you safe from a concussion. Um, that's a really big misconception. Other people have a full sense of security thinking that their kid has the best helmet on the market or they have one of these new fancy mouth guards that, that are out there being promoted um, as helping make concussion proof. And it's simply not true because, as I said earlier, if your brain moves around inside your skull and makes contact with your skull, that can lead to a concussion. So a helmet is on the outside of your skull and cannot keep you from getting a concussion. If that were true, we wouldn't be seeing the issues we see within the NFL. You know, I mean, who probably has the best concussion or has the best helmets in the world is probably the NFL. Um, and we're still seeing, um, you know, serious issues coming out of the NFL. So don't let 
clever marketing of a helmet or a mouth guard or or I've even seen headbands for soccer. You know, don't let these things fool you into having a false sense of security because they can't prevent a concussion. Like I said, they can they can definitely help prevent a more severe injury. Um, but they're not going to help completely eliminate concussions in sports. Number five, concussions. This is a really big one. Concussions will resolve themselves in four to six weeks. That is just simply not true. Um, 80% of people with a mild concussion will resolve in four to six weeks. However, there are 20% of people out there in the population who will have lingering symptoms, weeks, months, years, or an entire lifetime. Um, so there's really no set in stone timeline for recovery. You know, no two brain injuries are the same no two recoveries are the same. So don't ever let a doctor tell you, well, you know, it's been four to six weeks. This can no longer be your concussion. Um, I, I meet people all the time who have been told that, and it's just simply not true. Um, and if a doctor's telling you that you, you need to run and find a new doctor, um, cause that's very, very outdated information. Number six, Another misconception is that an MRI can tell you whether or not you've had a concussion. And all an MRI is really showing is whether you've had a brain bleed or if you have a very significant injury such as shearing, um, which are good things to rule out. So if your MRI comes back clear, um, you know, that's a good thing. It means you don't have a really severe injury and that you don't have a brain bleed. However, it it cannot rule in or out a concussion. Um, imaging simply is there to tell us if we have a more significant injury. And don't be fooled by the headlines of some of these new tests that are out there. Um, There's some blood tests that can tell you, um, the headlines suggest that this blood test can tell you whether you've had a concussion. Um, and it's a bit misleading in the headlines. Um, the blood test actually is checking for a brain bleed. It, it can tell um, there are certain proteins that are released when you have a brain bleed. Um, and so it's basically telling them whether or not you need an MRI to rule out a brain bleed. Um, so it's not technically ruling out a concussion at all. Um, Cause like I just said, you can have a concussion without a brain bleed. Um, so it's very misleading. Number seven, so we have all heard the terms mild, moderate, and severe traumatic brain injuries. And a concussion is technically classified as a mild traumatic brain injury. And all that mild, moderate, and severe are really there to tell us is the severity of our symptoms at onset. And they are mostly looking at loss of consciousness and loss of memory. Um, those are the main factors. There's more factors that they're looking at, but those are the main factors they're looking at at initial onset. So for instance, someone who loses consciousness for up to 30 minutes, um, they're gonna be classified in the moderate category. And somebody who loses consciousness longer is going to be in the severe category. 
which, you know, someone in a coma, for instance, is going to be classified as severe. And mild means that you lost consciousness for less than uh, like 30 minutes. Um, so it's, it's a little bit misleading because you classify someone as a mild traumatic brain injury, but yet they have very significant symptoms and consequences. So don't let that mild, moderate, and severe, you know, sway how you should or shouldn't be feeling. Um, because again, it's simply terms that the doctors are using to describe your initial onset of symptoms. So someone who doesn't lose any consciousness or maybe they're out for just a few minutes, um, you know, they're going to be classified in the mild category, but yet they might have very severe, significant symptoms and a long, long recovery. Um, so those terms, um, I understand that they're there to help the medical community make classifications, um, but I worry that sometimes those classifications put people into a box. And if you're labeled mild, you know, um, they get frustrated that you're not getting better. So then they think that you're making it up and that it's all in your head and that you're faking it. Um, so it's a really vicious circle. Um, but that is really what those mild, moderate, and severe categories really represent. They don't represent um, the length of recovery. Because, you know, I've met people who had a very severe injury and they were mostly recovered pretty quickly. Meanwhile, someone with a very mild, you know, seemingly mild injury, um, they might struggle for years to get back to their normal. Um, so those, those, those words can be a little bit deceiving. Um, and then there's also some doctors are still using the grading system with concussions, like a grade one or a grade two or a grade three concussion. Um, and those are very, very antiquated terms. Most doctors no longer use that because like we've already covered, a concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury. So there's no use in like grading those concussions anymore because now we've come to understand that a concussion is a brain injury. So if a doctor is still using a grading system, um, that's very antiquated. Number eight, all concussions and recoveries are the same probably one of the biggest misconceptions out there. Um, and that misconception is usually by the general public, someone who's never experienced or knowing someone who's experienced um, a traumatic brain injury. They don't understand, um, you know, like how many people do you know who've had a sports concussion and they were fine, right? Like they went back to normal activity, no problem, especially, you know, 10, 20 years ago um, before we knew what we know now about return to play. Um, but no two recoveries are the same, you know, two people can be in the exact same car accident and have like the exact same experience, but one walks away just fine. And one takes years to recover. Um, so there's really no, there's no one right or wrong way of recovery. And I think that's, what's really frustrating to doctors. Doctors are used to seeing you know, for instance, a broken bone is going to be a six to eight week recovery till you're walking on it again. Um, you know, there's, there's set timelines and trajectories for average patients. Um, and most patients fall into those timelines. Um, and with a concussion, there just isn't that consistency. No two people are the same. 
And you also do not know a person's underlying um, condition at the time of their brain injury. You know, it's possible that they had had multiple subconcussive hits in the past that they didn't know about. Um, maybe they have been a car accident or maybe they have been hit by a car when they were a child and everything seems fine, um, you know, and then fast forward 20 years later and they take another hit. Um, so you just don't know all those underlying circumstances. They might already have inflammation in their body. They might already have a gut problem and all that factors into recovery. So there's really no true timeline on how a person can recover. Um, and again, that's really frustrating for doctors. It's frustrating for patients. It's frustrating for family. And, you know, I know with myself, I had friends saying to me, it's been six weeks. Why are you still talking about this? You should be better. And I mean, at six weeks, I wasn't even the slightest bit on my way to better. Um, the first eight months, I continually got worse. Um, so there's just no true trajectory of recovery. And, you know, there's a saying out there, if you've seen one brain injury, you've seen one brain injury. Because um, no two are the same, much like snowflakes and fingerprints. Number nine, another really outdated misconception is that you have to stay in a quiet, dark room for weeks after a concussion. And the CDC has updated their recommendations um, several years ago already that you should try to get back to activity as quickly as possible and get back to um, activity as tolerated. That means if it really flares up your symptoms, you need to back off. And for some people, that might mean you have to be in a dark, quiet room for a little bit longer. Um, but the general person can start tolerating activity um, after about 48 hours. So sitting in a dark, quiet room has proven to be detrimental to recovery um, because you actually can start to decline. And for myself personally, I can see where it was a huge detriment to my own recovery. I stayed in a dark, quiet room no stimulation for literally months, doctor's orders. And um, I can see where that made me backslide. And my brain needed some stimulation. It needed to be pushed and challenged. And I have interviewed um, numerous professional athletes on my podcast. And what's interesting with professional athletes is they all kind of go at brain injury recovery the same way. Um, they look at the brain as a muscle or you know, a tendon or whatever. So if they tore their ACL or they broke their ankle, you know, they would push themselves a little bit more each day to get back on that ankle or that knee. Um, and so they're doing the same thing with their brain. They're like, yeah, reading sucks. It's really hard to read, but I push myself to read because I know I have to retrain that muscle, AKA the brain <laughs> to be able to read again. Um, so I find that really fascinating when I've interviewed professional athletes. And I know um, a lot of individuals who have a concussion, um, they get frustrated because they can't get back to their full regular activity, whether you know maybe they were running or maybe they were in IT and did a lot of computer work and computers still bother them. Um, you know, and it's important to push yourself but you also have to know where your limit is. And that can be the really challenging um, limbo, right? Um, of how much is too much or not enough. But it's important to get out of that dark, quiet room, even for a few minutes each day, 
maybe go for a walk outside or on a treadmill or, you know, try reading a page out of a book or a magazine. You might not remember it. You might not be able to keep track of what you read, um, but it's important to work your brain, you know, um, and trying to rehab it sooner rather than later, because the longer you wait, um, the harder your recovery is. And that's not to say that recovery stops at any particular point. Um, they used to think that recovery stopped at a year. Um, and that's very, very, very outdated information. Don't ever let a doctor tell you that. Um, recovery can take place at any point, um, you can be 20 years out and still see substantial gains in your recovery. So don't ever let a doctor tell you it's too late and that this is the best you're going to be. Um, I went through that myself at just over a year. Um, the uh, neurologist told me, well, you know, this is probably the best you'll be. And that just wasn't an acceptable answer to me. Um, and I had already done enough research at that point to know that that wasn't correct information. But, you know, the sooner you can get to some form of rehab, the better, but also don't be discouraged if you don't get there right away. If you're listening to this and you're five years out and you've never heard any of this, you know, definitely get, get to the right therapists to help you. Um, but don't be discouraged because you're five years out. If you, you still, neuroplasticity is a beautiful thing and your brain can still get back. You might not get back a hundred percent, but you might get back to 80, right? And if you're stuck at like 30%, that 80% is gonna be amazing. So don't ever give up hope on your recovery. Um, and number 10, um, often we're told to take ibuprofen or aspirin after a concussion, um, especially if you have a headache or any other physical aches. Um, and if there's any suspicion that you have had a concussion, um, I advise you to stay away from ibuprofen and aspirin. Um, those two can, if you do have any sort of brain bleed, um, they can cause further bleeding. Um, so it's really recommended that you only take Tylenol um, that does not have the same blood thinning effect that ibuprofen and aspirin can have. Um, and unfortunately, I see that a lot, even in my own group, people telling each other to take ibuprofen. And I, you know, if you if you're still in the acute phase, meaning it just recently happened, I really advise you against taking, I'm not a doctor, I'm not giving medical advice. Um, but I definitely advise you against ibuprofen and aspirin. Um, and you know, if you're unsure, check in with your doctor, um, but Tylenol is usually the better option um, if that's something that you are um, able to take, if you're able to tolerate it. And most people can tolerate Tylenol um, or just take nothing. Um, you know, that's even the better option. Um, and I know that sucks if you have a headache or, you know, you hurt, like say you hurt your leg or your hip or something in the accident as well. But just being aware of that, especially in those first like 48 to 96 hours, just being really aware that if you do happen to have a small micro bleed in your brain, um, you do not want to add to, uh, fuel to that fire. So those are my top 10 concussion misconceptions. And I have a few more things I just kind of want to add. Um, I recently was, was reading some statistics that only one in 20 patients even get any resources after they've been to the doctor. Um, they're often told, 
okay, yeah, you have a concussion, bye, go home. And they're not given any follow-up care. They're not told what to watch for or look for in the future. Um, they're not given any resources on like what type of doctors or therapies to, to look for. Um, and that makes me really sad. Um, and that's why I'm so passionate to do what I do in getting resources out there. Because for me, I was two and a half years into my own recovery before I even heard about functional neurology. It was not something I had ever even heard of before. Um, and vestibular therapy and vision therapy. Like I never heard those things. My doctor didn't bring them up. Um, and it just, you know, it kills me that I could have possibly had these modalities sooner in my recovery. Um, but, you know, I believe that everything happened for a reason in my recovery and it brought me to where I am today helping others. Um, but that's why I'm passionate about helping people know that there are these modalities out there that can help you. And you have to sometimes look outside that traditional medical medical system. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the modalities that help us aren't covered by insurance. Um, and so the sooner you can find those modalities, you know, the better because if you've had to stop working and there's no more income coming in, or if you already used up all your savings on co-pays to see doctors that aren't helping you, um, you know, it's a vicious cycle. And so I feel like the sooner you can find those modalities, just overall, the better it is for helping you in your recovery. And another amazing statistic, you know, only one in six concussions are reported um, to to the actual, you know, healthcare system. Um, and often, you know, if you go to the doctor and like, ah, oh, yeah, you might have a concussion. That's not even getting reported to the CDC unless they actually put it in to your medical chart, you know, that you have an MTBI. Um, the CDC doesn't even know about you. <laughs> so you're not even part of the statistic. Um, you know, the current, the current statistic by the CDC is approximately 3.8 million Americans each year will sustain a traumatic brain injury. And if you think about that, if only one in six are being reported, that number is like exponentially higher. Um, and, you know, there's just, there's millions of people out there each year that are going through the struggle. And some aren't even told that they have a concussion. You know, I've met so many people who had a car accident, went to the emergency room. They were asked if they hit their head or lost consciousness. And the average person isn't going to know that. Um, there's a really good chance you hit your head, whether the airbag deployed and smacked you in the face or you hit your head, you know, on the side as you were in your accident, you know, there, and you don't even have to hit your head, as we talked about earlier, um, just that whiplash motion in a car accident is enough to push your, your, your brain into your skull and back and forth a couple times, which is a coup contra coup concussion, which is a whole other topic. Um, but, you know, they're, they're just sent home and they're told that they're okay, that they're just going to feel sore for a few days. Um, and then as time goes by and their memory has like stopped working properly and their processing time for processing information is slow, you know, they might not have a headache. They might not have nausea. They might not have vomiting, but they have these other random things that are going on. Like I can't remember anything anymore. And even for myself who knew I had a traumatic brain injury, people, when I said that my memory wasn't working, people would tell me, oh, that's just part of getting old. And at the time I wasn't even 
40 or you're just going through menopause again <laughs> it wasn't even 40 um you know people like write off memory stuff um and if you're young and healthy and had a perfectly working memory before um it tells you that there's something going on and and sign and same with um the processing abilities, which can make us seem like we have ADD um, because it takes us too long to process things. And we just like, we lost interest. We moved on to something else. Um, and there are actually doctors out there who tell people that they have TBI induced ADD. Um, and that's not actually a thing. And it frightens me. <laughs> There's doctors out there talking about that. Um, and they're putting patients on Ritalin or Adderall. You know, these are people in their 40s and 50s who should not be on that medicine if they were not on it previously. Um, if you didn't have ADD, ADHD before, um, you most likely don't have it now. It is a brain problem. Um, it's a problem with your cognitive processing speed. And you guys, I just wish I could like help you understand how integrated everything is in our brain, your processing speed, your memory, your mood, your behavior, it's all so intricately wound inside our brain and it's all connected to one another. And so that's why it's so important to get to the type of provider such as a functional neurologist who takes the full body approach. They get to that, they dig into that root cause and go after it. And so for me, eye tracking was my biggest problem. It was causing all of my dizziness and my balance and my proprioception problems. And once we resolved the eyes, it just, it, like I equate it to a computer. And if you have like 45 tabs open on your computer, none of them are running fast, it's all bogged down. But then as you start shutting those tabs down, and everything starts going a little faster. And that's kind of how I equate, you know, you get rid of one symptom and it slowly starts making room for the others to work better and more efficiently. So it's all very, very connected. Um, and it's really important to get to the right type of provider to help you understand. And, you know, I will also say my, my functional neurology exam was over two hours long. And up until that point, no one had spent more than about 20 minutes with me um, in a doctor's office. So that alone stood out to me. And then to be validated that, yes, I believe you, all these symptoms are real and they're all because of your brain injury. Um, so it was very validating to me. And I hope that that can give you some hope for your own recovery. And I hope that this podcast was helpful for you. Um, I just wanted to take some time to honor the fact that I've hit 200 episodes um, in the past six years that I've been doing this podcast. Um, and just thank all of you for listening and for being a part of this podcast. Um, we have an incredible reach with this podcast and it's because of listeners like you and you know, one person tells another person and then that person tells another person. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty um, cool effect that happens um, when, when you know, people 
seek out resources and they're able to find them. Um, it's pretty cool what can happen. And I love hearing from people who, because of my podcast, they found a doctor that was able to help them. And that just gives me the motivation to keep going with this podcast. Um, and I appreciate each and every, every one of you that subscribes and listens. So I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Um, and that's really all I have for you guys today. I appreciate your support. Um, again, if you feel so moved, you can help support me on Patreon at just $5 a month helps me keep this podcast going. It's patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. And another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. You can find them again online at integratedbraincenters.com. And you can find previous podcasts on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can also find them at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And I would love to see you tag me in a post of you listening to the podcast wherever you like to listen, whether it's on a walk or while you're working. And also please join me in Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode.